Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Kate, I got you something. Okay. I got you a I got you a person. What? I got I got you a special guest person. Okay. I got you a special guest person by the name of Erica Pearl. Hello, Erica Pearl. Hi. Oh, Betsy. Yes. <laughs> well then and, and just to make it a little more clear, I got you a special guest person by the name of Erica Pearl, who is the author of many wonderful books for young readers. Uh, there was All Three Stooges, which won the 2018 National Jewish Book Award for Children's Literature, wow. and the 2019 Sydney Taylor Book Award honor, the Silver Medal. And she's done picture books, and she's done stuff with pen and, and all sorts of crazy stuff. Is that <laughs> is that not right, Erica? That's, that's all pretty much right. Yay. I feel so inadequate. <laughs> I'm all yours, Kate. Do with me what you will. I'm not worthy. <laughs> How many picture books have you written, Kate? You know, I don't want to talk about myself right now, so. <laughs> okay. I don't even know how this came up. How did this come up, the, of us having you on the podcast? We're always plotting doing cool yeah. things. And when you mentioned this was an opportunity, I jumped at it. I, I love the idea. Of, and you, you told that, us that you, yeah. you actually listened to the show and everything. I do. I do. And and we promised we wouldn't quiz you on what happened in episode number 43. Oh, God. We have no idea. We always break are. promises, though. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> so, drum roll, please. <laughs> um, so, yes. Yeah, so, uh, you and I talked, Erica, about what book we would do. But before before we get to that, Kate, well, why are we here, Kate? What is the um, purpose of being here? Uh, isn't the answer 42? Isn't that... The meaning? No, that's the meaning. That's the meaning of life. Right. Right. Not the meaning oh. of why we're here. Oh, you mean right now? Yeah, right now. Right now. Oh, yeah. Um, right we we talk about kids' books. Yes. What kind of kids' books? You know, last time I answered this, you said it was wrong. I said big ones. I <laughs> thought <laughs> uh, that, that's because it was wrong. Like it, big it, books it cannot lie. Yes, picture books, Kate. Yes, that we determine if they are classics or not classics. Crap. If they're and, crap. And, yeah, or crap. Okay, fine. Just to be honest, it's crap. And then Erica and I uh, put our heads together to come up with a book that we hadn't done yet on the show, which is increasingly becoming uh, a difficulty. But today's book, uh, well, I uh, be- because we are all three in different rooms right now, we're, we're sort of trying out a little experiment. Uh, I already gave you that book, but I'm going to pretend like I'm revealing it, Kate. So let's go. A boot, 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 a boot. It could always be worse. By Margot Zimak? Sure. I don't know. What do you think, Eric? How would you pronounce that last name? I would think it was Zimach or Zimach, something like that, but I don't actually know. I don't actually know either. Dang, I should have gone to teachingbooks.net. Yeah, that's number one place to go to find out yeah. how a children's author pronounces the their name. I'm totally distracted by the butt on the front cover. 
oh, I hope you like butts because it's got big butts and I cannot lie. So, yeah, there's there's more than one butt in this book. I, All right. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so why don't you uh, why don't you go read that book? Okay. Okay. While Kate does her read, I'm going to talk to Erica. Hey, Erica. Hi. How you doing? Good. Hey. How much uh, How much do you know about Margot Zemach? Well, interestingly, I until you know a couple of days ago, I did not know enough about her. I have to say, and I feel a little bad because she was kind of a powerhouse. Yeah, she died young too, she died right? Really young, and and, and like she died 48. of ALS. Um, yeah, oh, I, I thought it was. I thought fi- she was oh, you're right. It was slightly, yeah, a little older yeah, than that, but still yeah. in her fifties no. of ALS, which is so sad. Yes, I did not know that either. I, uh, but she did many. Many good books, including um, Duffy and the Devil, which I have had people ask us to do on this show. There seems huh. to be a cult underground Duffy and the Devil uh, <laughs> system of people wow. who just love it. I did not uh, know that. Nor did... Uh, it's amazing what weird underground picture books people really take to. But, but that's the book that she won the medal for, I believe. Duffy and the Devil, and, she actually got the medal. Yeah, that yeah. was 74. But so she this got the medal book, for that, but she's got two Caldecott honors on top of that. And I was trying to think yeah. of who else is in that category. I mean, it is pretty thin air. Oh, yeah. No, and especially... Especially women. Let's, women. Let's I was going to say. I was <laughs> yeah. going to say. I was like, I mean, yeah, you can think of dudes. I mean, there yeah. was... I guess Marsha Brown for a long time was... Like, she's the only rival to David Wiesner in terms mm-hmm. of, like, sheer number of Caldecotts. Yeah. yeah. Um, And she was alive until, like, super recently which always kind of shocked me she was one of those people where you like betty white where you're just like any minute now any minute (laughs) not that i'm not that i'm hoping for the death of betty white please 2020 has been bad yeah no it's true don't take betty White. don't take our betty white oh wouldn't that be the capper though um but how are you how are things with you these days you know i'm hanging in there it is you know It's 2020, yeah. but... Well, what do you what do you got coming out this year? Ah, well, I have a book that just came out, come oh, to think of it. Tell um, me. Which is uh, The Ninth Night of Hanukkah, which is a picture Ooh. book um, that I wrote and that Shahar Kober illustrated and did an amazing job with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's published by Sterling, and it just came out, and it is... I'm, I'm pretty excited to share it with the world. Aw. What's the, what's the gist of it? Okay, so it's about this family, and they are... Um, they've moved to a new apartment. They live in a kind of a contemporary apartment building, unlike most families in Jewish picture books. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can't find their Hanukkah stuff. It's Hanukkah. It's the first night and they can't find anything. And oh, God. They... That's the most realistic plot I have yeah, ever heard. It's like, we've all been there. Yeah. We've all and been there. So they kind of cobble it together. And each night they try and figure out how to make Hanukkah happen without the stuff. So they're borrowing things from their neighbors and the things that their neighbors have are not quite right. Like nobody seems to have Hanukkah candles, but someone has birthday candles, that kind of thing. And that is a great idea. <laughs> thank you. And so it, yeah. it, it, it should be the worst Hanukkah ever, but somehow each night another neighbor kind of helps out and gives them something and they kind of get by and they kind of patch it together. And the kids are sort of resourceful and, and plucky. And then when Hanukkah ends, they have this moment where they, realize that they want to make Hanukkah last longer for a very good reason. And I don't want to give the whole thing away, but they figure out a way to thank their neighbors that ties into Hanukkah itself. Uh, well, what? So what else do you have? I know you must have other I have more. Um, I actually, you Can know, you it's talk about it? I discovered, I, I thought I had a book coming out next month. It turns out it's coming out next, like next week. So that's kind of oh. exciting. <laughs> um, Surprise! Yeah. <laughs> 
um, which is a new book in the Truth or Lie series, which is Truth oh, or nice. Truth or I Lie. like that series. Thank you. It's it's my not my mostly nonfiction series of yeah. early readers, and it's Truth or Lie inventors. So it's about figuring out is it like, did Edison invent pretty, anything he said he much, did or not? Pretty much, yeah. It's it's a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun finding out that everyone I was always told invented things didn't actually. Yeah, yeah. That is interesting. So, yeah, I find that when I working on this series has been a real like education for me because every time I sign on to write one of these books, I think I know so much about <laughs> fill in the blank, and then I discover I I'll just take one book and skim <laughs> right. it for the reference. Yeah, right. Hello. Hello. You're back. I'm, I'm back. I read a book. You did read a book. How um, how that uh how that book reading go? You know, it was entertaining. <laughs> oh, thank I, God. I didn't I didn't quite know what to expect. Um, you know, considering the title is it could always be worse, so I was like, <laughs> "Oh dear." Here we I should go. tell you. I should tell you before you get into it. Erica sent me a very funny thing earlier today. Erica, wasn't wasn't this book on your shelf next to something else? Yes, it was. It was next to Kate Messner and Adam Rex's "The Next President." And so <gasps> when I saw it could always be worse, the next president, all I could think of was it could be only it could always be worse if the next president were the same as same the current president. president. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, that's. It does seem with a title like this, it does seem like a picture book that should be about 2020. But obviously, from the cover, it's not. No, no, it's definitely like I don't know what would you say, like an Eastern European village in the middle yeah. of nowhere. The word yes. shtetl is the word that comes to mind for me. Okay, Ooh, nice yeah. use of shtetl. On the title page, where like on the right hand side it says the title, on the, there's an illustration on the left hand side, and it. To me, it looks like there's five rolls of bread on the roof. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I don't don't know why they're there, and they come back, and I don't understand the purpose of them. I mean, it does. If you're trying to cool your bread quickly, (laughs) but you're trying to avoid animals, that's a terrible place to put it. Your your squirrels and your birds are all going to get that. I I don't understand. However, I disapprove of the. There's there's more. The also, there's a, there's an illustration later on that's got like fifteen. Yeah, spread. yeah. I don't understand what's it. going on. But <laughs> the very first sentence, um, I read it as Ursula, like from the Wait, Little Mermaid, because <laughs> the first the oh, first poor line unfortunate is. Souls. Once upon a time in a small village, a poor, unfortunate man. (laughs) And then that was it. That's okay. So that just that just made it so much better, though. Right? I mean, it it makes it more entertaining, I guess. But just imagine watching um, Fiddler on the Roof. The main character is Tevya. Yes. So he lives in this hut. It's a one-room hut with his mother. He's like. Well, I don't know. Judging by the pictures, he's probably like a forty-year-old man or something. Yeah. He lives with his mother, his wife, and his six six children. Betsy, six. There's gonna you say six hundred because it really does feel like it's six hundred children. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a bit much. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. This is pre-birth control, right? I guess. Like <laughs> considering the wife doesn't exactly look like a spring chicken, but <laughs> well, that's a woman who's given birth to six children. So yeah. Okay. She's... That, that that takes its toll, man. So the poor unfortunate man who doesn't have a name 
Um, oh, right, <laughs> Ursula. Now he, that I see it in the book, I can see. Yeah. He he can't stand being in such a small space with all these people, and so he goes to his rabbi for advice. Now the rabbi is sitting at a table in front of this gigantic house. Yeah, super big. So is this his house or is this the the town synagogue or what what is going on here? It's it's such a good question. I did I, I stared at the house for a while and was wondering the same thing. And I'm thinking it's his house. I don't see any signs that it's a synagogue. You know those weird pillar things at the front? Right. Very, it, the architectural model is a little, you know, so which made me think like if you have someone if you're the rabbi and you have someone coming to you that you know says you know i'm in we're in such a crowded house and we just need help like why doesn't the rabbi who is obviously by himself in this gigantic house be like why don't you come and and live in this house with me and and well you think that's what the man was kind of angling towards like if this was like an awkward conversation where he like began with like Boy, your your house looks great right now, Rabbi. Yeah. So so roomy. we're so crowded, so spacious. You Let me tell you about room. my problem. What should we do? Maybe we should discuss it in your enormous <laughs> house over here. <laughs> well, instead, the Rabbi says, "Okay, do you have chickens?" The old man's like, "Yeah, I, I got a few chickens and a rooster and a goose." The Rabbi's like, "Great, take all of them and stuff them in your house." And the old man's like. Yeah, okay, sure. So I say old man. You were saying old man. I was like, you mean the unfortunate man? He's the poor unfortunate man. Right. So he takes his farm animals and brings them into his hut. And now it's just chaos. Yeah. There's it, it went from being like a loud house with people to a loud house with people and animals. Can I tell you that um I look at these pictures and the first thing I think of is uh all this home learning that all these families have to do right now. <laughs> it's like, this is very familiar to me. So. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. I What I like about this picture is that on the left-hand side, you have one of the daughters holding up the rooster who is getting mm-hmm. the best seat in the house. Oh, yeah. While the cat on the right-hand side is in mid-bite of the chicken. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah. think it's a very brave move on the cat's part because that's like the same size as a cat. And it's got claws. Okay, you do see one cat here, right? Yes, I see one cat. Okay, hold on to that. Okay, because holding it. It's in my hand. Yep. I'm holding it. Um, sad to announce there are no butts in this illustration. That is a rare yeah. instance of lack it's, of rear. It's unfortunate. So the poor unfortunate man goes back to the rabbi and he says, it's worse, please help me. And uh, And the rabbi's like, do you have a goat? <laughs> and and uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, great. Put the goat in the hut with you. He's like, really? Nothing solves your problem like a gold really? goat hut thing. He's like, yeah, that's what I'm going to have you do. He has gone from being at a table in the front of the house. Now he's like the side or the rear of the house. I think he was trying to hide from the guy. Oh, is he trying to like slowly move? <laughs> Does he just move around the house from? Yeah, he, maybe he's trying to stay stay out of the sun or something. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, it he's is. wearing black. And it that's does so hot. It does look kind of shady. Yeah, yeah he it's is like, in the shade. He's in the the shadow. So the poor unfortunate man goes back to his house to put the goat well in the hut, and the here is where you can see the fifteen. What's with the bread? Loaves of bread on the roof. Mm-hmm. 
Why? What? That... Do you think that there's just like a kid who's like running around stealing bread and then he just like pops it like a basketball onto it the roof? It can't be and bread. It's got to be something else. Well, what else would that be? Pumpkins? So Right. So he's got the goat in the hut, which is now headbutting a girl straight into her soup. But there's every every illustration where there's like another thing entering the house. I love that every illustration shows a lot of movement and a lot of action. Yeah. And there's always something different happening. You can see this poor chicken like hiding underneath the stool. Is that the, the one that almost got eaten by the cat? Yes, yeah. I think so. And mm-hmm. I want this to be my tattoo of 2020. Oh, that is a good 2020 <laughs> the, tattoo. What, the chicken under the chair? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. We're all that chicken under the chair. <laughs> yeah, we are. That is <laughs> that is 2020 right there. Yeah. <laughs> so then i mean it's also the girl at the face in the soup but you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean rather one or the other why choose they're together yeah yeah the whole thing maybe you started as the girl in the soup and then you ended as the chicken Uh, (laughs) some days you're the girl in the soup and some days you're the chicken under the chair So this poor unfortunate man doesn't have any other rabbis in town and he keeps going back to the same one asking for advice who is now, it looks like, indoors. Wait, can I also point something out in the chicken and soup picture? Doesn't the poor unfortunate man look surprised by the situation? Like, he's perpetually shocked. (laughs) Just Like, it's just flabbergasting to him time and time again. What? What is happening? Yeah. What could yeah. possibly have predicted? Yes. So he goes back to this rabbi and says, please, I need help. What will you, what advice will you give me? And the rabbi says, is it possible you have a cow? <laughs> At this point, I'm, I just want the old man or the, the poor unfortunate man to say, yes. And do you want it? Because I'd rather give it away than live with it. Yeah. He takes the rabbi's advice. Of course, the rabbi says, have the cow move into your home with you. So the next page, it says, the poor unfortunate man trudged home with a heavy heart and took the cow into his hut. Is the rabbi crazy, he thought. And at that point, I thought, yes. Yes. Go talk to the cantor <laughs> instead. Go find literally anyone else in your yeah. synagogue and Go talk to, to them. A neighboring village. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You and- do get the feeling the rabbi's seen how much he can get away with. He's like... <laughs> Oh, I'm, I could I? It's kind of like the old lady who swallowed a fly, except instead of swallowing these animals, you're forcing them into another person's house. Do you have a snake? <laughs> Do you have a tarantula? <laughs> <laughs> so he he takes this poor cow, oh, cow into the house. At which point, the text says everyone quarreled, even the chickens. And I just imagine Gonzo's chickens. Oh yeah. yeah. And it's just those two chickens going back and forth, which they are kind of pecking yeah, at each are. other in the yeah. illustration. What is the goat even doing? Is it doing tricks? You know, it's hard to tell because the in the yeah. illustration, there's like a paint. A uh, swoop of paint. Yeah, which kind of makes it look like it did a backflip yeah. up into the bunk bed. <laughs> the poor unfortunate man goes back to the rabbi and he says, help me save me. The end of the world has come. Which is a little dramatic, but I mean, when you've lived with well, a cow, he's got six kids, and, and a goat, and, and a, a goat, and, and chickens, and then the ki- and the mother judge. and the wife, I'm and he says it's worse than a nightmare. And the rabbi says, "Go home and let the animals out of your hut." But in the illustration, like the text is very calming, and it's like, yeah. "Go let the animals out." But you look on the other side, you got. 
the daughter riding the cow with a sword in her hand. You if got you had, a, if you had music for this scene, what would you do? I'm thinking yakety sax. You've got the son riding the goat. The son with the with the with holding the a pot. goose. Yeah, the soup pot on. Well, that's the daughter with the soup pot on her head, right? Yeah, the one who got her face plant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. now she's like a knight in shining armor with a sword. I don't even know where she got I, a sword. I just, I love all this motion. There's constant yeah. motion, constant activity. You got the moon coming through the window. <laughs> the yeah, that's, that's actually the... one of the best, one of the best little moments there. Is the moon wow. broken through the window? That is the best thing I've seen. That's my tattoo. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Going through the moon window. through a broken that window. That is amazing. Yeah. So I, I love. Oh my gosh. I love all this motion. However. This is what gets me a little curious, is that remember when I said there was only one cat? Yeah. Well, after he pushes all the animals out of his little hut, somehow they have two cats. Oh, whoa, where'd that second cat come from? Right? So you've kicked out all the animals except huh. two cats? <laughs> I don't know. But then, so they everyone slept a very good night's rest. And the next day, the poor man goes back to the rabbi. And says, oh, you've made life sweet for me. It's so peaceful and so quiet and so roomy. What a pleasure. The look on the rabbi's <laughs> face is priceless. I, I kind of interpret it this as, what an idiot. That's like, that is the what an idiot face to me. Also, what is he eating? Well, he's eating bread, but what I don't like is why did he have to litter? Because he's got an oh, apple, apple core. Yeah. Oh, well, then we can't take any lessons from this book. Because there's, there's litter on the <laughs> Because he littered. How did you ever come to this book? I, that's a really good question. I, I feel like I must have read it back in the day because like, it's very familiar to me and it's, and I think it's partly, it's a, you know, it's, it's a classic Yiddish tale mm -hmm. and it's, oh, it's sort of Helmian. If I, if I can use Helm that way, you're familiar with Helm, I take it. Sure. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, I don't know if it's actually like officially, like they're not, they don't, they're, they don't say at any point that they're living in Helm, but the man's like utter stupidity and inability to see what's right in front of his face kind of reeks of hell. <laughs> oh, you know? it's, a, it's a folktale down to its core. Yeah. So, um, so that's what I'm getting, but I, I would have to assume that I read it back then because it's, like I said, when I reread it, it was just, you know, I, it took me back. So. It's interesting because it's, it's one of those books that was a hit the moment it came out basically. Yeah. Because um, it was released in 1977, it was a New York Times Book Review Notable Children's Book of the Year. It was a 1978 Caldecott Honor Book. Oh my gosh, it got on the Hornbook Magazine fanfare yeah. list. Just every single list this book could get on. Yeah, it got on, which is very impressive. Um, I tried to do a little research into it. it. There's really not a lot you can find, though. I do kind of wonder if there's been an uptick in the number of people reading it since the pandemic hit. <laughs> You know what's also uh, fu what's also funny is that there's it reminds me a little bit of another book and when I looked up what year that book came out the, the book that I'm thinking of is um the book Simple Pictures Are Best yeah it's Tommy DePaola Nancy Willard wrote it but the, what I remember is the Tommy DePaola illustrations and it's this family getting their picture taken and they just keep adding more and more animals and people and the picture gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then they have to like you know. It, it just become it overwhelms the situation and they have to pair it back to just the people they started with. And so it's sort of the same thing of like too much, you know, too much is, is going to help too much is going to help too much is going to help. Oh my gosh, over the top, take it back. But it's the same year. 
It's also oh, a 1977 book. So I don't know if that was like a thing. I, I, I think it would be interesting to find out what was going on in 1977. Oh, in 1977. That was so <laughs> yeah. Like right now it would make sense. But in 77, like what was it? I, I'm like trying to think. Well, I was trying to look up other stories that were like this as well. And I, I did find that it's included in Sid Lieberman's Joseph the Tailor and Other Jewish Tales. Marguerite mm-hmm. McDonald, of course, has it in Shake It Up Tales. Um, there was a relatively, and by relatively, I mean 1996 uh, inclusion, uh, A Big Quiet House, a Yiddish folktale from Eastern Europe by Heather Forrest. So it does get redone once in a while, but mm-hmm. I think if anyone's thinking about it, they're thinking about this version. Yeah. All right. I think it's rating time. Erica, you go first. Oh, I get to rate? Yeah. You do. I mean, I think it's pretty classic-y. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it kind of high marks in the classicy range. Um, I guess I would call it like a seven. Oh, very good. Very yeah. good. Yeah, I think it's like a seven. All right, Kate. I also gave it a seven. Oh, I yeah. like the moral that things aren't always as bad as they seem, mm-hmm. and I think the illustrations are super fun, and it makes me so thankful for what I have. <laughs> you know, I I gotta I gotta go higher than both of you guys. Ooh. I I think this thing stands up. The writing stands up. The art stands up. It's the butts, isn't it? It's the moon, baby. It's <laughs> yeah. not the butts. Oh, it's the, the, the moon. The full moon? Eh? Oh. <laughs> she got me. She got me. Uh, I'm going an eight. I also, another thing I like about it, it also reminds me a little bit of the seven silly eaters. Because I oh, love, yeah. you know, because I love that you can look at the kid, you can follow the kids through the story and there's all these little like, incidents that are going on you can see the art the side arguments and the like games mm-hmm. that they're playing and what's yeah. going on and you know chickens under chairs and stuff and i <laughs> love that kind of book it can, you could spend hours just staring at this yeah i do like all the little details yeah oh, so it's definitely a classic then definitely a classic Yay! all right letters time Ooh. uh we got one really good one remember when we were doing the best nest by pd eastman and we were talking about color separations and why these colors kept okay so lark wrote in and she told us the following back then printing was done in layers you may have heard of cmyk cyan magenta yellow black don't know why k no one knows in those days there were actual layers of printing your cyan layer your magenta layer to get brown you need all four layers if they aren't lined up correctly you get the effect above which was in that image yeah it was, of the, it was brown the smoke book. yeah hmm. look at some of your other old picture books and you will probably see similar things occasionally this is also why some of those old books are two color it was cheaper to print only two yeah layers. oh yeah that's Thank true you, and yeah. there have been some recent books that have done that kind of two color thing to create that effect i thought that would have been like a dying art but oh it is but yeah if you're a artsy enough illustrator you can get away with it nice because it looks nice grown-up things we like and erica we're gonna let you go first on this one Alrighty. well i was i have been um doing a deep dive in the netflix documentary section um someone pointed out to me that you know even though netflix like shows you all sorts of stuff this is actually gonna gonna get to a book thing but i'm going to just start with this um netflix points you towards all this stuff that they think you should watch but if you ignore that and go deeper there's all sorts of good stuff so i found um some really great documentaries on there recently and then someone told me about an- another documentary that i think wasn't on netflix but was elsewhere which is the uh, love gilda the gilda radner documentary oh. 
And I really enjoyed it, particularly because um, what I hadn't known about her early years was the extent to which she was in ensembles that featured so many of the comedians that we still know and love, you know, like um, Eugene Levy, who's, you know, who won Emmys this week for Schitt's Creek, was mm-hmm. in this like very early ensemble with him, with her. And I think he might've even been in the cast of like Godspell with her when she's like practically a teenager. Like there, wow. there are all these people who are part of her life that are still making humor today. And there was just really, you know, kind of cool overlap among all those comedians. And there was such a great like ensemble going on. So I really loved seeing that. And then the book I was going to relate that to, I read very early on in the pandemic and I have reread it throughout the pandemic because it's stretched on so long, um, which is Steve Martin's book, Born Standing Up, which is such a wonderful book. And I love comedy, but I also love reading about comedy. And Steve Martin is just the perfect person to, you know, talk about why things are funny without making them unfunny. So for me, it was just like, yeah, like checking in with checking in with a good friend and also helping me get through this very unfunny time. So awesome. I, I recommend both those things to you. Love Gilda, the documentary, and Born Standing Up, Steve Martin's book. Those sound right up my alley. <laughs> they, they are perfect. I have a thing for Gene Wilder, so I should definitely see the Yes, very, uh, yeah, as, as do I. I want to I go next because mine actually relates to yours. Oh, good. If you happen to like documentaries, I and finally I got around to watching the Fred Armisen, Bill Hader, Seth Meyers, Reese thomas uh show documentary now yes yes okay (laughs) let me let me set the seat for you um ifc the independent film channel made this a couple years ago it's now on netflix um so you you can see it any old time essentially this was the craziest idea for a show they were like we're gonna take famous documentaries reenact them and rewrite them ourselves and make them bizarre and And they're bizarre and they're so, so the first one was the Grey Gardens parody. Which, which I, I I just want to, that's the first one I saw. And it's terrifying. I just have to terrifying. put that out there because I, I was actually, not warned. I was not yeah, warned. I know, <laughs> you don't know that it's a horror until like about halfway through. And then my husband actually turned to me and he was like, there wasn't a missing body in the original mm-hmm. one, right? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure not. And then it just gets so dark. Super dark. Like, oh, but, my God. But, if you've seen Grey Gardens, it's very funny because it is scene for scene, shot for shot in some places. And every single one is introduced by Helen Mirren. So right there. So documentary now. It's that brilliant. Is, that's my, my recommendation. Well, if you both are going to do documentaries, then I will throw one in as well. All right. It is also on Netflix. Um, it is called The Social Dilemma. Oh, I want to see this. I've heard about it, this. It's Sounds really it will make you want to unplug from any sort of social media forever. <laughs> it's it's uh it features previous tech experts that you know a former president of Pinterest, former um, engineers at Google and Facebook and Twitter, and they're all talking about the dangers of social networking and what it can do to um, the psyche and. The one thing I don't like is that while they're, I, I wanted to hear more from them, but for some reason they try and have like this weird storyline with actors and like teenagers who can't get off their phone. And it's like, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I, we know teenagers can't get off their phone, but it's like, 
it was more interesting for me to see like the back end of what these experts like the reasons why they left where they were because of what they saw because of what they created like um the the man who who co-created the facebook like button Mm -hmm. and he had no idea when he created it how much it could backfire and how Mm -hmm. much people are like oh i don't have enough likes you know he he didn't even see that as being an issue back in the day so if you want a really good documentary they'll make you turn off all social media check out the social dilemma on netflix all right cool well Well, thank you so much for joining us oh it has been my pleasure thank you for having me you recommended a really good book so you because of that you're more than welcome to join us at any time (laughs) like i said i i really i have to say i now need to go back and read more of her work um because she made some you know she made some incredible books and she was gone too soon so i feel like we need to kind of you know Find out more about what she was at and revive her. I'm just going to find my cat and hide under a chair now for the rest of the year. And I'm going to find an extra cat that came out of nowhere. (laughs) And I'm going to keep my face out of the soup. (laughs) And on that note, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. And I'm Erica. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8, Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our documentarian is Drew Atienza. Fuse8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Burton.